like we never left. Y'all already know what it is. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here with the fantasy phenom, Alex Lott. Hell of an episode coming up here. Week 11. A loaded slate. A lot of hype matchups. It's the playoff stretch. But Alex, how was your week of football? Dude. It was another week where I won in every single league. So you only get a handful of those wow. each season where you actually get the dub everywhere. So it's been great. My Colts won. They're on top of the AFC South feeling good. And let's be honest, Steph, if anyone is watching or listening, there's like a 99% chance they are in the hunt for the playoffs. They're a top seed or they're right in the mix. So these next three regular season weeks are crucial. I know there's a couple of leagues where I'm six and four, five and five, where I got to get a couple wins here down the stretch to get into the playoffs. So these start sets are going to be incredibly um, high importance. These, you know, flex decisions are going to make or break your team potentially. So it's, it's crunch time and man, a lot is going on around the league. I'm happy we made it to week 11, six more weeks to go in the regular season than obviously the playoffs. So yeah. And the COVID concerns aren't over yet. You're seeing more and more of those pop up every day. Teams like the Raiders, I know the Browns, uh, Jack Conklin tested positive. So there's a lot that's going to change across the mm-hmm. league, and then you add in injuries on top of that like we get every single year. And then on top of that, in this week 11, we have a little bit of a, a loaded bye week. we got Buffalo, Chicago, the New York Giants, and the San Francisco 49ers all on their buys right now. I know a lot of players on those teams were those flex, kind of floor play type guys, uh, and even some boom names in there as well. So... You're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel here. We got some pretty hype games on a Thursday night. We got the Cardinals-Seahawks matchup. Hopefully, DK doesn't get booed to Baker again. Then we got Titans-Ravens, that that AFC playoff matchup coming back again. We'll see if the Ravens can bounce back after that brutal game in the storm there in Foxborough. And then Packers-Colts, I think, will be a fun one. And then Monday Night Football, Rams play the Bucs. I'm looking forward to that one as well. Anytime the Rams are in prime time, you know, there's going to be some drama. And guys, if you like what we do here on the show, please hit that subscribe button. A like is always appreciated as well on YouTube. That is huge for us right now. Still making a big push as we get into this playoff stretch of the season. And as always, if you have start sit questions, hit us up on Twitter at Double Move Sport, or you can hit us up in the comments down below on YouTube. If you have any topics you want us to cover, you're happy to address those as well on the show. Let's get into our first one here as things are kind of shifting around in the league. One of the things that shifts are quarterbacks, and that can change a lot, especially for fantasy. And Drew Brees has now gone down with a collapsed lung. Last report I read said he'll be out at least two weeks, maybe more than that, after taking a big hit in that Sunday night football game. So with Drew Brees out, it's it's Jameis Winston now back at the helm. I know we're going to get into this Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston thing, but just on the surface, what's the fantasy impact here for Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, maybe even uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook? You know, if it's if it's Jameis Winston, I don't think that much really changes for Kamara, for Michael Thomas. Um, even for Jared Cook or Emmanuel Sanders, I think the volume is still going to be there. Uh, maybe there's, you know, a, a 5%, 10% variance either way. But with guys like Kamara and Michael Thomas – you're probably going to start those guys either either way, regardless. Like Those are locked-in guys each and every week, regardless of who the quarterback is. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of concern just switching things up. Like Kamara has been so good this season. I have Kamara in a couple places, and I'm like, I expect him to be just as good. But when you change the status quo, 
you know, you're, you got to be a little bit concerned because things were going so well. You just want everything to stay the same. But having said that, like, you're still going to lock him in each and every week. For Michael Thomas, hopefully Jameis gives him a breath of fresh air and can sling the ball out like the we juice. saw him in Tampa Bay. I do expect Sean Payton and the Saints offense to control Jameis Winston. People are saying, oh, Jameis is back. He's just going to be a gunslinger and sling it downfield. I think they're going to control him a little bit, have him check down to Camaro. We saw Kamara get like four receptions in the second half of that game. I think they're going to really want to reel him in um, and control his game. So, I, you know, I expect the options for the most part to remain the same. If it's Jameis, I think Jameis himself as a streamer gets what Atlanta this week, then Denver, then Atlanta again. So if Breeze is out three weeks, Jameis could be your quarterback for the next three games. And if it's Taysom Hill at quarterback, which I do not expect at all, I think it's no. terrible for everyone in the Saints offense. You're still starting Michael Thomas and Kamara if that's the case, because I, I can't imagine they're just going to run like, you know, 90% run plays. Like Taysom Hill's got to throw the ball a little bit, or maybe in that case, Jameis would even come in for some passing plays. I just can't imagine that being the case. So I do expect to see Jameis out there um, this week, and it should be fun to watch. I mean, it wouldn't be, um, you know, a complete 2020 unless, of course, we see Jameis Winston make an appearance. Jameis Winston, the uh, the passing yards leader in 2019, air yards leader in 2019. But the Taysom Hill thing, that, that to me is just like a cringy meme at this point. The guy's There's four no or way. five passing this year. And I get in some leagues like he can get into a, a, a tight end spot in some rosters. Look, if you're going with a deep tight end like that, like you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, why don't you get a guy that could actually get some volume like Kyle Rudolph, like Richard Rodgers, these super deep names. If we're just gambling on a touchdown, Taysom Hill also has a floor of negative points. He's had four fumbles on the year, lost <laughs> two of them. And yeah, you know, But I, I like what you said, though, about Michael Thomas. The, the upside that was seemingly missing with Michael Thomas, and I know there's the, the injury talks, there's off-the-field stuff, but with Michael Thomas... If, if it was going to happen this season, I think this is what it was going to take. A complete change in this offense where it's like, okay, now we got to do what we know our offense can do to move the ball, which is get Michael Thomas the ball. I think they're going to manufacture him more touches. And I think Emmanuel Sanders could even have some sneaky upside. You remember in the, the days of old with uh, Ted Ginn, you know, having like you know 150-yard touchdown per game at home. Like, I feel like we could see that again with Emmanuel Sanders, who – who will have some sneaky upside in that way. He's scored double-digit fantasy points in five out of seven games. I know Michael Thomas was out in some of those, but he's on pace for 800 receiving yards. We've just seen a situation with Jameis Winston at quarterback produce boom weeks for wide receivers, even if he throws four interceptions. I wouldn't be surprised at all if his first throw next week is an interception. Uh, I'm not starting... Emmanuel Sanders in the league right now, unless my team is totally in shambles and I have to flex him. But I think he's an interesting stash if you have him. Don't cut him quite yet. Just see what happens in Jameis's first game. Yeah, no, I'm with you on on most of what you said. I think with Taysom Hill, the floor is there. You're absolutely right. He could come out and be just the Taysom Hill we've seen this year where you're hoping for a touchdown or bust. But, I mean, tight end is an absolute wasteland. So, I mean, you look at the game last week. Taysom Hill had no. eight, eight carries in that game. He had eight carries in that game. If you're care. telling me Taysom Hill is going to get – eight carries, you know, three tar two to three targets and might throw the ball a time or two, maybe two or, you know, one, two, three times in the game. They love to use them at the red zone as well. Like I, there's worse options at tight end. And I, I would, don't think so. you're I literally bet. shooting darts blindfold if you start Taysom Hill, but 
I think as a streamer, you know, you could do worse. So if you start and you have to know you could get, you know, zero, one, two points, that's absolutely in the realm of possibility. But I cannot in good conscience tell it's our listeners to touch Taysom Hill in fantasy football. I just can't do it. I can't do it. The thing is, I actually despise Taysom Hill in this offense. I love Alvin Kamara. I love watching the Saints offense. And it's like every time they bring Taysom Hill in the game, I'm like, what on earth are you doing putting your Hall of Fame quarterback on the sideline? So for the sake of that, I'll just agree with you here, Steph. Don't touch Taysom Hill with a 10-foot bowl, and hopefully Sean (laughs) Payton will do the same. But, Steph, let's move on to a running back who has kind of fallen off from the love he was getting early in the season. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He came out in that first game, absolutely put on a show in the season opener, and it seems like as the season's gone on, he's kind of fell off as that RB1. What are we doing with CEH out of their bye week? We know Le'Veon Bell is now there in Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball 40-plus times a game, and it doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon. Steph, what are you doing with CEH? Are you... Still starting him every week. I know I am. Are you trying to sell or are you trying to buy low from um, other fantasy managers in your league? I'd definitely be willing to buy low if I can. But I've been a, you know me, Alex, I've been a diehard CEH stand since day one. Heavy investor in Dynasty. I had him in my top 15 running backs, even when Damian Williams was set to play in 2020. And with that being said, you know I'm going to say this. You have to start Clyde Edwards-Alaire every single week just for his upside. And you could look and say, okay, Le'Veon Bell has come in and taken this volume away. That's actually hasn't been the case. Bell hasn't gotten much volume either. It's not like CEH ever was a 100% opportunity share type guy. Le'Veon Bell is really taking over that Darrell Williams role, kind of as that, that set it and forget it RB2 there that's going to come in and help uh, maybe in some two-minute drill situations. But CEH gets groundwork, passing work, red zone work, all in this offense against Carolina which was a great game to watch uh, in week 10 with McCaffrey coming back for one boom game. CEH was three for five receiving and had a touchdown through the air. And and while the touchdown production hasn't been there, it's almost like this running joke now about how the refs hate Clyde Edwards-Alaire because every time he scores a touchdown, it gets called back. Still, with that being said, CEH is 14th in red zone touches this year. The double-digit touchdown upside that we like from guys like you know, deeper names like Ronald Jones, right? We love him because we know he could be the goal line back in this offense. Same thing for CEH, an offense that's just absolutely running wild. He's 11th in receptions. He's a great runner, 4.6 yards per carry this season. As a rookie, his breakaway run rate is 12th in the league. He's 13th in the league in juke rate. And look, I know people are going to say the Chiefs should have drafted DeAndre Swift. I agree, but that has nothing to do with how we should evaluate Clyde Edwards-Alaire in fantasy and how he's going to produce on the field. So that's the last time I'm mentioning that point. I'm going to put that to rest now. Let's just focus on what we actually have to work with. And right now, if you have CEH, you're starting him every week. You're hoping for that boom upside. And it was great to see some of that upside present itself through the air when the carries really weren't there on unlimited snaps for for Clyde in week 10. I agree with you, Steph. I think he is a start every week guy, no questions asked. But to me, he's in RB2 range for the rest of the year. I mean, we were talking before we started recording here. It's absolutely brutal out there at the running back position right now. And if you have CEH, he's just like a must start at this point because he's getting carries in the best offense in the NFL. So he's still a must start, but I am starting to get a little bit concerned, not to the point where I'm necessarily going to try to move him, not to the point where I'm 
putting him on my bench, but I'm just adjusting my expectations a little bit because whether you want to believe it or not, the production and the snaps have fallen off since Le'Veon Bell has gotten there. Now, I know Le'Veon Bell's been incredibly disappointing and hasn't seemed like he's done much, but whether you want to believe it or not, he's done enough to cut into CEH's workload that we saw in the first six games of the season. If you look at CEH, the last three weeks before the bye with Lev Bell there, he only got 53%, 49%, and 40% of snaps, less snaps each and every week that Lev Bell was in Kansas City. Before that, he had played at least 59% of snaps in every single game. So it's trending in the wrong direction. And the Chiefs right now are having so much success throwing the ball. There's been several of their games I've watched where the announcers are just like, this might be the first time where it actually makes sense for a football team to throw the ball on every single play because they literally can. And they get crafty, like kind of, uh, they say, like running through the air, like screen passes and shovel passes and things like that. They just do so much so well. They like literally don't need to run the ball. And obviously they still will. But Mahomes is just on a tear right now, 25 touchdowns to one interception. That's absolutely ridiculous. Unreal. But CEH's product, like, you're right in the sense that the touchdowns should be there. Three touchdowns for CEH as the lead back on the best offense in the NFL makes no sense. But in weeks one through six, CEH was putting up 16 fantasy points a game. That's RB1 level. In the last three weeks, week seven through nine, with Bell there, only 10 fantasy points per game right behind Devontae Booker and Gus Edwards over that span. So, like, I know, yeah, anything can happen. Obviously, you're not putting CEH in the same tier as those guys, but, like, it's been tough sledding for him over the past three games. You start him this week, I think we're going to learn a lot here in week 11 because now Lev Bell's been there for three weeks plus the bye four weeks. They're coming out of the bye with a rookie running back. They're on fire. They're playing the Raiders, which should be a high-scoring game. I think this week is going to tell us a lot. So keep an eye on CEH. Look at the snaps. See how Lev Bell is used as well. And really pay attention to whether CEH continues to be out there in the red zone because he has been out there in the red zone a ton, and the ball just isn't quite going his way as often as he'd like. We aren't talking about the Chiefs enough and like we love CEH really if nothing else just the situation in this offense being the lead back on the Chiefs but they're on a tear right now they're on a victory lap after that Super Bowl looking like they're going to repeat Mahomes is easily the front runner for MVP you said the 25 to 1 touchdown interception ratio that's unprecedented 8 and 1 record and he's producing for fantasy for all of his pass catchers. Kelsey's dominating. Tyreek Hill's dominating. Watkins and Robinson are always these kind of bottom of the barrel streams. If the game strip goes the right way, they could blow up. Nicole Hardman is a handcuff. Just, just lock it in. Mahomes passing weapons will always be deadly in fantasy. Well, let's talk about another running back who's struggling. We talked about Clyde edwards was a guy that you could probably get in the second round in drafts. A guy you were probably taking in the first round because you had to is Ezekiel Elliott. And he's on a brutal stretch right now over the last four games. 10, 6, 8, and 9 fantasy points in PPR leagues. Is Zeke a startable like RB1 guy right now? I think RB1's a little strong considering what we've seen from him from the past four weeks. But remember, he had Ben DiNucci and Andy Dalton in that brutal game against Washington where he got knocked out early. He had Garrett Garrett Gilbert. So Dalton should be back this week. As brutal as Andy Dalton's been, he's better than Garrett Gilbert and he's better than Ben DiNucci. And we can say that for a fact. So I do expect the offense to pick things up a little bit this week against Minnesota, who's a very beatable defense. And I I think Zeke's hamstring should get some rest after the bye week. He, w- I did see he was feeling some tightness in it so far this week or feeling a little bit stiff. 
So keep an eye on that. But he was bothered by an injury. They had no quarterback. This team is in absolute shambles. They're in bad game scripts for Zeke. He's off the field. They're getting Tony Pollard facilitated touches when they're trailing. So it was like the perfect storm for Zeke to struggle. Now, I don't think he's going to be the Zeke of old, but he's right in that like top 15 running back range for me. If I have Zeke, I'm still starting him each and every week. I'm not getting cute and putting him on my bench. I do want to see if he's effective in the next couple weeks because the workload has remained there for Zeke. I'll pull up his carries here um, in a minute. But to me, like Zeke, the effectiveness isn't going to be there, but you're not going to find a lot of running backs that get the same workload that Zeke has. Let's look at those last four games you talked about. I mean, 12 carries and 10 targets, then 12 carries and two targets, 19 carries and two targets, 18 carries and three targets. So find me a running back that's getting that kind of work, and you're probably going to be able to count them on one hand, two hands max. So you're still going to start Zeke. He's a mid to high end RB2. Um, and you just have to roll him out there and, and hope for the best and hope he gets a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, you, you'll take every bit of a, a mid to high end RB2 right now. I feel like his ceiling now is like James Robinson and his floor is Kenyon Drake because he is getting all of that volume, you know, close to 20 touches a game, a few targets here and there. Like you said, the Tony Pollard's kind of getting his in this offense as well. He's definitely more James Robinson than he is 2019 Zeke, but yeah, yeah it's still Steph, an every week real start. quick, I hate to interrupt, but rest of season, are you going to take Zeke or James Robinson? It's so tough. It, it really is. I, I've thought about this one a lot. And I'm still torn. I'd probably go James Robinson just for the way that Robinson's playing right now. Wow. And the volume that he's getting. And he, he really is the engine of that offense. Jake Luton isn't going to carry that offense. And, like, I, I know he's had good games for Chark. He's produced. He's been fine. But James Robinson still is the heart and soul of this team. Would have had two touchdowns last week. Both got called back by a penalty. So I'm going in on J-Rob. I think there's there's just everything he's going to get. Welcome to week 11 of 2020, where a healthy Zeke is <laughs> not as good as James Robinson. It's probably Steph, a hot do a couple take. more. I, I'm actually, I, I agree with you on that. I'd rather have James Robinson. Zeke or James Conner? James Conner has been so ineffective on just the same volume. So I'm going Zeke because I still think Zeke has more upside than, than Conner just as a player. Couple last quick ones here: Zeke or Kareem Hunt? Kareem Hunt, especially in PPR. Zeke or Todd Gurley? Zeke, but they're close. They're closer than they should be. Last one, I got a guy we just talked about: Zeke or Ceh? Rest of season. I want to say Ceh because of his situation in that offense, but with just this much guaranteed volume, like we know for a fact that the Cowboys aren't going to do what the Chiefs are doing, where they're just going to rely on the air to win games, no matter what, no matter the game script. So. With that being said, I'm going to go Zeke. But again, it's closer than it should be, closer than anyone would have thought, you know, back in August. So we're talking about, you know, some struggling players. Let's talk about a struggling team in the Baltimore Ravens. Now, struggling by their standards is, is pretty good by most NFL team standards. But let's talk about all of their assets for fantasy because it's been a tough one. And, and you probably grabbed a lot of these guys in draft season saying, hey, the upside's going to be there. We've seen what this offense can do. We know Lamar Jackson is electric, but kind of underperforming right now. Lamar Jackson, is he still a guy that you're going to start every single week? I know, like, obviously, yes, we're, we're tampering expectations at this point. We got to change our perception of what Lamar is. We've seen, really, his efficiency everywhere regress heavily, and I know a lot of people expected some touchdown regression. He threw like 36 touchdowns, led the league last season. We could probably tell you that wasn't going to happen again, but 
especially in that game against New England. I'll cut them some slack in that one because of how bad that weather was, especially in that final drive. It was like it was like the football gods parted the clouds and allowed a storm to come in just so the, the, the Patriots could get a win. <laughs> but for Lamar Jackson, like if you're sitting there with, let's say, a Justin Herbert, you know, an upside play, are you going to get cute and, and take Lamar out of your QB spot? I'm still starting Lamar, man. It, it, the upside because of the rushing baseline is just incredible. And first, I, I I just think it's so funny that like this struggling Ravens team is six and three, yet I'm a Colts fan and I'm like ecstatic <laughs> that we're six and three. The Browns are six and three, and I'm sure you're feeling pretty good too, Steph, as a Browns oh, yeah. fan. And it's like a tragedy for Ravens fans. I live in Baltimore, and you would think they were literally the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> after that Patriots game, but. Honestly, that that's or was that Sunday or Monday night? I think it was Sunday night. I don't know what day it is, but I'm throwing that game out the window. This is more about what we've seen for the full season. That was a absolute downpour monsoon windy game in Foxborough. It's freezing outside. Lamar looked like he just wanted to go home the whole game. <laughs> and, you know, it was so sloppy, so hard to move the ball. Tough game for the Ravens, but I'm throwing that one out. Um, but to your question, like Lamar, Justin Herbert, or guys in that tier, I'm still starting Lamar because of what we know we can do. Not much has changed for this Ravens team other than these defenses are allegedly scheming up things better, calling out the plays before he snaps the ball um, as Lamar Jackson's putting it. But you have to roll out Lamar Jackson if you've got him on your team. Unless I have Kyler, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, or Patrick Mahomes, I'm going Lamar every single week. And it's I'm just not even thinking about it just because if you sit him, you know it's going to be the 35-point explosion. But he has, you know, let fantasy managers down this year. If you drafted him in that first or second round, you needed him to be the quarterback one or two this season way ahead of the pack. And you look at where he is right now, full season, he's sitting at QB nine right in between Justin Herbert and Teddy Bridgewater. So it's been super disappointing so far. But Lamar is still a must start for me every single week, regardless of matchup. Do you agree with me there, Steph? I know you're one of the biggest Justin Herbert truthers out there right now. So um, if, if you're staring down your lineup, Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert, who are you rolling out there? Is it a decision based on matchup or is it one guy or the other every single week? Well, even if it is a decision based on matchup, it's probably still going to go to Lamar Jackson. But I would still start Lamar. He's still averaging 10 rushing attempts per game and running at one of the highest efficiencies in the NFL at 5.8 yards per carry. He also has a couple touchdowns on the ground you just know the passing upside isn't going to be there Lamar hasn't hit 30 fantasy points yet in a game which he did many times last season but still producing enough like worst case scenario he's putting up 17 points against the Pittsburgh Steelers maybe in the wrong game script he's going to 14 points as his absolute floor like you can do worse than that at the QB position you know maybe against Pittsburgh in week 12 that's the only other time I would consider benching him if I had a fantastic streamer smash play that I could plug in but over the next couple of weeks here he has the Tennessee Titans which to me is a great matchup uh, and then Pittsburgh and then Dallas Cleveland Jacksonville the Giants and Cincinnati again so really easy matchups for the Ravens rest of the way here it's one of the reasons why I've been very high on J.K. Dobbins, just like a stash play, potential league winner type guy. Unfortunately, Ingram has come back and kind of ruined all that hype and all the steam that was generated with him being out and, and J.K. Dobbins getting 50% of the snaps in that backfield. But let's talk about those running backs. Can you start any of these guys right now? Because I'm, I'm leaning no. Nope, no chance. I mean, if I have to, I'm still taking Dobbins, but... 
in any game where we've seen all three guys play, it's been pretty much touchdown or bust. And that touchdown means like 10 fantasy points. So I'm avoiding them all. I mean, they obviously love Gus Edwards. And he, to me, like Dobbins has had a couple of good splash games in there. Edwards looks like the best runner right now. Like he looks very, very good in this offense. Ingram looks, I hate to say it because I like Mark Ingram as a player, but he looks pretty washed right now, at least compared to Edwards and compared to Dobbins. Dobbins has shown flashes. Um, but you know, that drop at the end of, you know, the game Sunday when they're trying to put together that last minute drive kind of like represents his whole season to me. Like he's shown flashes, but he's also disappointed and just has had some mental errors along the way. So if all three are healthy, I'm staying away from the Ravens running backs. There's no way. I don't care how good. I don't care if Dobbins comes out and breaks every single run for a 50 yard touchdown next week, all two of his touches, (laughs) they're still not going to give him the job. It's going to be a three-way split if all are healthy. So you cannot... To me, you can't start any of these Baltimore Ravens running backs unless one of them or two of them go down. So moving away from the the runners, what about the pass catchers? Let's talk about Hollywood Brown first. I've seen some folks say that he is a guy that you could drop. And I think I would agree as much as it, it hurts to say, because you know I was all on the Hollywood Brown hype train, was breaking down his film from last season, thought the upside was there, thought the target volume could potentially go up and the efficiency yeah. was going to stay high. But Really haven't seen any of those things. Again, the New England game, we could throw that out. Caught two of seven targets for 14 yards. Again, the the rain, the weather affected all of that. But even season long right now in PPR leagues, he's sitting as the wide receiver 46. And if you started him a lot of weeks, he's burned you. A couple three-point outings, um, less than 10 points. And most of the weeks that he's played, like I'm honestly looking for other guys that are probably on the waiver wire, like a KJ Hamler that I can plug in, like a, a, a guy in an offense that's going to throw a little bit more. Think of another one here. Marvin Jones would be another streamer guy that I would rather plug in over Marquise Brown because the volume is more guaranteed. I don't really care about the efficiency at this point because you can't be efficient. Like No matter how efficient you are, unless you're just otherworldly, you're not going to be able to get it done. So you take out the the insane efficiency he had last season where Hollywood Brown had you know double digit touchdown upside the the target volume has actually been more in that like five or six range it just hasn't led to a lot for fantasy so I I'm actually would be open to if you're in like a 10 team league you can drop Hollywood Brown mm-hmm. yeah I for me it's tough it, maybe this is me attaching to that name value and the expectation before the season the draft capital but if I could I would try not to drop him just yet. If I do have an like, I'm not dropping him just to drop him. I'm only dropping him if there's something on the waiver wire that has potential to help my team. If there's a player that I can plug in or that has upside, I'm willing to do that. But I'm not just going to like drop him for KJ Hamler or for somebody like that. I'd much rather wait and see with Hollywood Brown because if this Ravens team does suddenly flip the script and kind of change their identity a little bit, we could start to see a hot streak or a breakout. So, you know, the chances of that seem low at this point, but I'm willing to wait it out. There's no way I'm starting them. In the three games since the Ravens bye, Hollywood Brown has six catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown. That's in three games. So 17 fantasy points in three games. That's absolutely brutal. Brashad Perriman and Randall Cobb are averaging more fantasy points per game this year than Hollywood, just like we all predicted, right? Um, So for me, this Ravens team is pretty simple. Like, you're not starting Hollywood Brown. You're not starting any other running backs. There's no other receivers worth touching. Mark Andrews, still a must start every week. I know he's been disappointing. Last week, he was the tight end one with 13 fantasy points. That's how brutal the tight end position is. So you're starting Andrews. You're starting Lamar. 
not really touching anybody else. But Steph, I want to go ahead and move over to a team that has much, much more fantasy value than the Baltimore Ravens this year, just like we all predicted. It's the Miami Dolphins. They are hot right now with Tua Tagovailoa at the quarterback spot. What do you think about Tua and these Dolphins weapons moving forward? I think there's some some interesting appeal, especially as we get into, you know, the deeper names, deeper into the season where you got more guys hurt, COVID comes up, guys go on IR, like David Johnson seemingly out of nowhere. And then it's, oh, you got to pick up Savan Ahmed. Like just these crazy things that can happen. But Tua still, like he's been good, but just the volume, the volume has been the killer. This game kind of fell flat after some of the, the rookie hype. We thought it was going to be this crazy shootout with, you know, 35 plus pass attempts from both sides with Tua and Herbert against the Chargers in week 10, but didn't pan out that way. Tua only had to throw the ball 25 times, completed 15 of his throws for 169 yards and two touchdowns, 14.7 fantasy points. Didn't kill you, but wasn't the smash play that we all expected. You know, I was on Twitter just saying, hey, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you can start Tua this week. (laughs) Uh, You know, again, it didn't kill you, but definitely wasn't the smash play we all expected. I still think the upside is there on the right game script. I just don't know how much of that game script we're going to see. Tua is still a stash. If you have room on your roster for another quarterback, you can try to sell them high if you already have a good startable quarterback. And, and that position is just so streamable. I don't think you need to hold two of them on, on most yeah. rosters. Do you like Tua against Denver in week 11? I'm, I'm kind of fading just because I don't think the game script is going to ask Tua to do much, just like we've seen so far to start his career. Yeah, to your point, Steph, if you have, I actually think he's fine. I think he's a fine streamer this week. If, if you want to roll the dice and gamble a little bit, I think the variance for Tua is a little bit higher just because we haven't seen him as much. The Dolphins' defense has been absolutely fantastic, so he hasn't had to quite do as much. They've been in these positive game scripts where they're leading. That game a couple weeks ago against the Cardinals, we saw him lead a couple of really awesome drives when he needed to. But you're right. If you're not starting Tua like this week or he's not your streamer that you're locked in on there, I don't think there's a need to hold him on your bench right now. Um, obviously, if you know you have room for him and there's you're fine and you have an IR spot for any of your hurt players, like it's fine because if he does have one of these breakout weeks, kind of like Herbert, it took him a couple weeks to really break out from a fantasy football perspective. So if that's the case with Tua, I'm fine to leave him on your bench. I mean, he's got the the Broncos this week, then the Jets, then the Bengals, then the Chiefs and the Patriots, then the Raiders. So decent schedule here down the stretch for Tua if he does break out. But I'm also fine to drop him. I mean, we look at guys like Jameis Winston, who over the next three weeks has Atlanta, Denver, Atlanta. Like I, I think Jameis Winston is just as viable as an option right now as Tua Tagovailoa. Now watch Tua is going to go off this week, and I'm going to sound like an idiot even saying that. But on paper right now, from what we've seen, I think. Um, you're fine to, to drop two if you need to, but he's also a good streamer. He's just in that same category as, you know, the QB 12 through 20 always are. In a good matchup, you can pick him up off the waiver wire and throw him in your lineup. Um, but, Steph, what do you think about these pass catchers in Miami? Devontae Parker's been a little bit disappointing. Um, Preston Williams is now on IR, and Jakeem Grant is looking a little bit interesting in this offense. Mike gusecki has been disappointing as well. Out of these Dolphins pass catchers, you know, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, what are we doing? Do you need to start any of them, or should they be left on your bench or even on the waiver wire? Yeah, I think you still got to start Parker. Really what the the issue is with all these guys, and I love Jakeem Grant. I'll talk about him in a second. I think he has tremendous upside now as the kind of de facto number two with Preston Williams on IR. 
But for Devontae Parker and all the other guys, you get capped by just the volume. You know, the things that we see with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow is that they're throwing the ball 30-plus times a game. Herbert's been this deep-threat gunslinger passer, and the Dolphins' defense has really put the offense in position where they don't have to push the ball downfield more than they necessarily want to. The Dolphins' defense has a takeaway in 15 straight games. It's the longest active streak in the NFL. They're top five in points allowed. And it's great to see Tua kind of slowly develop. Like, they don't have to ask him to do a whole lot right now. He even said in an interview, I thought this was pretty funny, Tua said the NFL isn't as hard as I thought it would be. Uh, I I think he's going to be fun for fantasy sooner or later, uh, but not right now. With all that being said, though, Parker, you got him as a low-end wide receiver too, flex name type guy. It's probably where you draft him him anyways. So I think all remains constant with him. He's coming off some tough matchups. Again, the volume hurts, but you still got to plug him in for what he can do in this offense. You think of, um, you know, Tua's first touchdown in the league was a slant to Devontae Parker in the end zone. I think we're going to see that many, many more times throughout their careers. Jakeem Grant is a guy that I love. He's this twitchy, really small you know, kind of like a punt returner, kick returner type guy that you typically see. And that's what he does in this offense. And he's coming off a pretty good game. Four receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown last week on 75% of snaps. I think he is a deep league flex play, a guy you can have stashed if if you're in a tough situation with bye weeks, with COVID, whatever it might be. And you can plug Jakeem Grant in there with some sort of confidence. And I think we saw what his floor is last week if you take away the touchdown right the touchdown is the upside where he gets you to that 14 point 16 point fantasy type outing and the four for 40 is probably going to be his floor which is eight fantasy points so yeah i think you can do a lot worse if you're in a desperation situation he's also pretty sneaky if uh you're you're in a league with some weird rules where you get points for return yards and and kickoff yards for those who don't know, uh, Alex, I'm not sure if you know this. Our home league actually does reward. Oh, I know. Point. Okay, glad that you know that. Then I thought I was sneaky, and the only one who knew. I pick up Jakeem Grant, and I'm like, "Ooh, I'll get a little, uh, you know, extra points in here." Uh, his, his points get a little inflated by some of the special teams usage, but nonetheless, you know, he's a guy that you can plug in if you're desperate. A stash if you want to add some depth to your roster on a playoff run. And then Savan Ahmed coming out of nowhere. Nobody even knew who this guy was two weeks ago. He's come in. He's taken over that Miles Gaskin role. Are you plugging him right back in after a pretty solid outing in week 10? Heck yeah. I'm totally willing to plug him in. Now, I know Matt Breida could be back this week, but to me, it looks like this Dolphins team wants to use one running back. We saw it with Miles Gaskin. They kind of had this weird committee at the start of the year, and once Gaskin showed what he could do, they just gave it all to Gaskin. And Ahmed comes into this game, you know, Breed is out. They decide to cut Jordan Howard or wave Jordan Howard. Laird got a little bit of passing game work, but this was like Savon Ahmed's backfield. 75% of snaps, 22 touches against the Chargers. As long as Gaskin is out, I think Ahmed is a streamer. And I, I want to give myself a little plug here. I don't do it often, but in our Dynasty League, Steph, I have had to stream the running back position for the last four weeks because of injuries to Mixon, Eckler, and Kenyon Drake. In Dynasty. <laughs> you know, this is 20 bench spot, 12 team deep league. So the waivers are pretty much nothing. And I've had to pick up guys, not even in the waiver cycle, like on Saturday afternoon, plugged in Carlos Hyde, DJ Dallas, 
Tyler Irvin for the Packers in the game Aaron Jones was out, and now Savan Ahmed. And I think the lowest points I got was like 11 out of any of those guys. So patting myself on the back for that nice. one. But I'm nice. probably going to be starting Ahmed again this week if Joe Mixon is out again. And I actually am not too upset about it because he looked really good in that game. And if he's going to get 22 touches, if he even gets 15 touches, you could do a lot worse at the running back position. So to me, this Dolphins team there's no studs from a fantasy football perspective, but there's a lot of value just like floating around. And Tua as a streaming quarterback or deep lead, deep league receiver options, or even, you know, Savan Ahmed as someone you can plug in at the running back position to help fill in for some bye weeks. So the Dolphins are getting very, very interesting. And if you have defenses and kickers, I think their kicker is the number one kicker in the league right now, but you should not have kickers in your fantasy league. Let me <laughs> say that. And their defense has looked pretty good as well. Yeah, Jason Sanders balling out. What a guy. <laughs> yeah, I can't handle any more kicker talk. Let's shift over to the Detroit Lions. You know, we can we'll talk about each of their options, but I just want to start like, what more does anyone need to see from DeAndre Swift to know that he's officially here? He's officially broken out. Congrats to everyone that drafted him. Take your victory laps now. I'll toot my own horn a little bit here. I have him in a league where I also have Alvin Kamara and James Robinson. It feels absolutely glorious. Wow. But it's not like, you know, no one expected it. You can't pat yourself on the back too hard. I do think the breakout and really Swift's entire season, like he has been a serviceable RB2. He's sitting at RB23. He's top eight in targets on the year. He's hyper efficient in the passing game. His yards per reception, yards per outrun have been extremely efficient all year, both top five in the league in those categories. And he's had big plays time and time again when he's been given the volume. He's third in breakaway run rate. And all you needed to see was the workload. It finally caught up. The two most important ingredients, efficiency and volume, just had a head-on collision in Detroit. And it's called DeAndre Swift. So plug in Swift every single week. He's, you know, we saw the team come out and name him the starter. So with that too, we have the evidence of like, hey, the team is saying we're going to start him. And then you see the blow up happen. Like everything's just come together for him. But enough about Swift here. I think we need to talk about Marvin Jones, a guy that's been productive the last couple of weeks. Are you going to go right back to the well with him if Kenny Galladay's out? Yeah, I mean, Marvin Jones. Well, Galladay, I did see return to practice today. I wasn't able to, this is Wednesday and we're recording. Didn't get to see if it was a limited or full practice, so we'll need to keep an eye on Kenny G. If Kenny G is out, Marvin Jones, I'm plugging him into my flex. I've been plugging him in in a couple places over the past few weeks, and I found it hard to believe that Marvin Jones, after the brutal start to the season, is actually the wide receiver nine over the past four games. He's averaging five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown per game. And if that if that stat line sounds familiar, I think that's actually the exact stat line that Hollywood Brown has had in like his last three games combined that we said earlier on the pod. So <laughs> Marvin Jones is is absolutely going off right now with no Kenny Galladay. Now if Galladay comes back, um, I'm I'm suddenly going to be a little bit more worried about Marvin Jones because we saw his floor uh, over the first half of the season when when Galladay was active. But you know, keep an eye on it. And Marvin Jones is almost like this this wide receiver streamer. Um, if he's the number one option in this offense, Stafford has picked it up a little bit from early on in the season. Uh, and again, if Galladay does come back this week, I'm not too worried about him and I'm throwing him right back into my lineup as well. Hawkinson, I know he had a down game last week, but he's like a top five tight end on the season. So Hawkinson isn't every week start at the tight end spot because again, the tight end position is absolutely brutal. If, you know, you have Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, even TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, you're set. Everywhere else, it's a crapshoot. So 
Um, Marvin Jones has been nice. DeAndre Swift has been nice. And this Lions team is starting to put some offensive pieces together. It's really good to see. And I know Stafford, you know, he didn't practice today. Again, we're recording. It's Wednesday. He has a thumb injury. It looks like he has a uh, partial tear in the ligament in his right thumb. But they're confident that he's going to be able to play through it. I will say, you know, if we see the wheels start to fall off here, I might fade the other way. But against the Carolina Panthers, I think it's a game that's going to have a pretty high over-under. I'm willing to plug Stafford in if I'm streaming the QB position as well. I think all the, the pass catchers are going to benefit from that too. So let's get into our running back start sit segment. I know a lot of teams are scraping the bottom of the barrel right now, whether it's a win now mode that you're in, whether you're a team gearing up for the playoffs, whatever it might be, you got to know, hey, for some of these names, they're on the bubble. There's some pretty gross names. Maybe they're coming off gross matchups, whatever it is. We'll start off with the first one here. Duke Johnson coming off a really tough outing. A lot of people, myself included, thought he was going to be a smash play. Thought he was going to be David Johnson plus, which would be you know close to like an 18 to 20 point floor, but only gave us 5.4 fantasy points, was extremely inefficient, only 54 yards on 14 carries, and had one target. So with Duke Johnson, are you just throwing that, that rough weather game in Cleveland out the window and plugging him right back in against New England? Yeah, I'll plug him in. I, I think it's less about the rough weather game because you'd think in a, in a windy game that they would run the ball more. And they gave him 14 carries in this game, um, but the efficiency just wasn't there. Duke Johnson. 95% and, of snaps. Yeah, I mean, this is a volume play. I'll start him because of volume, but that's that's the only reason. He did miss practice today with an illness, non-COVID related. So keep an eye on that. I expect him to be out there if he's healthy. And, and with illnesses, you know, on Wednesdays, that's when we're recording this. This episode, you typically see players recover, but every situation is a little bit different. If he's out there, though, I'm willing to start him, but I, I think his his floor is pretty low, um, and I don't think his upside is that high. Houston doesn't throw the ball to the running back position a ton. The running efficiency this year has just been absolutely brutal with or without Bill O'Brien. So if I'm st- starting Duke Johnson, it's you know a desperation play maybe if I have some buys going on and things like that. You know He's not a, a DFS guy like. He's not a high upside guy like. Um, but you know, if you want to get 10 to 12 points, I think he could deliver that for you this week against the Pats. Yeah. Pats aren't really a matchup you love to see like you, you would in, for example, week 12, when Duke has the Detroit lions has some tough matchups, Indianapolis twice, Chicago's in there. And then Cincinnati in week 16, which should be pretty good for him, but what should be good for a 10 to 20 point outing this week. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back group. <laughs> Your boy Rojo on 59% of the snaps absolutely exploded against the Carolina Panthers. I had Leonard Fournette as a start of the week. I feel like the process was there, but it just ended up being a Rojo game. And that's really it how is, the process this- is there every week with Tampa Bay. The one you expect to have a good game, just start the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because Rojo had a 24.8 fantasy point outing in PPR leagues, 23 attempts for 192 yards and 8.3 yard per carry average. He did have a 98 yard touchdown breakaway run, which was incredible to see. I know you were probably going nuts sitting at home on your couch, Alex, and then also yeah. caught a reception for six yards too. Leonard Fournette on the other end of the spectrum, 36% of snaps. So it really was more of like a 60-40 split. Fournette had eight carries, 19 yards. Really was just a between-the-tackles grinder. Still saw more targets than Rojo did. So it seems like he is going to be relegated to the like James White plus type role, but it seems game script dependent on which Bucks RB you want to start. 
I've been in on Rojo all year. I've started him every single week, and I'm riding this roller coaster. So at this point, like, <laughs> dude, I'm willing to start both. You, you know what you're getting with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. You've seen the ups. You've seen the downs. At the running back position, though, a lot of these guys we're talking about have the same floor as Leonard Fournette or as Ronald Jones. Their floor is just a couple points. A ton of these guys, their floor is just five points. And a lot of these players don't have the same upside that Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones have. We saw that 98-yard run. We've seen Fournette have games where he's getting six, seven targets and also getting work on the ground with touchdown upside as well. So at this point, you can start both. You pray it's your guy's week that week or that both guys get, you know, a 10 to 15 point outing and you go from there. But you just have to know there's a chance you're going to be disappointed if you start either one. Um, But yeah, it doesn't feel great. Um, If you have other options, you know, if you want to play it safe, you can. But I'm going to go out to guess that, you know, Ronald Jones being the RB9 so far this season, I know he's played an extra game, but he hasn't had his bye week yet, but he's the RB9 so far this season. So I doubt you have a better option. You just got to roll him out there and say your prayers. Yeah, believe it or not, Ronald Jones is top five in rushing yards in the NFL in 2020. But yeah, both of these guys are these desperation RB2, desperation flex plays. There's probably a receiver with more upside you could plug in. Let's talk about Naheem Hines, who's shown us what his ceiling could be, close to 30 points now in a couple different games this season. Coming off a great game against the Tennessee Titans on Thursday Night Football, 28.5 fantasy points, played 60% of snaps, 12 for 70 and one on the ground, five for 45 and one through the air. So touchdowns on the ground, touchdowns through the air. It seems like he's really taking over as the number one. (laughs) I I say that with some hesitancy because who knows, next week it could be Jordan Wilkins. Week after that, they could go back to Jonathan Taylor. It doesn't seem like it's really like sticky production, but against Green Bay, who's one of the worst run defenses in the league, are you willing to plug Naheem Hines in at your flex spot? Yeah, I'll flex them. It doesn't feel good. We talk. All these guys have a floor. So if you start Naheem Hines, you have to know the floor is there. He could get you just a couple of points. Um, he's really touchdown dependent at this point. So, you know, of the guys we've talked about, I'd rather play Duke Johnson. I'd rather play Rojo or Fournette over Naheem Hines, even in a good matchup against Green Bay, because this indie team, like you said, um, you know, Hines took over as the one and kind of questioned it. Yeah, he took over as the one in their game last week against the Tennessee Titans because this is a hot hand approach and whichever running back comes out and looks good and is getting things done and is hitting holes and catching passes and pass protecting is going to stay on the field. And last week it was Naheem Hines. And as a Colts fan, I watched the whole Titans game. Hines looked so much better than Jonathan Taylor or Jordan Wilkins. And it was not close, but we could come out against Green Bay in a good matchup and Jonathan Taylor could look great. Uh, Jordan Wilkins could look great and Naheem Hines might not need to get a ton of work, but I will say against the Packers, we all expect the Packers to score points even against the Colts stingy defense. So Hines should be out there in a lot of those pass catching situations. So the floor is a little bit higher this week. So I'm willing to flex him. Yeah. I think he's good for, for 10 plus. And then you've seen the upside of a 30 point outing that it's in his range of outcomes. So I'm willing to flex him. Now let's talk about Kalen Balaj. I can't believe it. Like I, I, it's shocking that Kalen Blage is now a guy that we're going to tell you to start in week 11 because he's coming off 16 and 15 fantasy point outings. I know the name is gross. He was horrible in Miami. Like He's been fine so far in LA. He hasn't been a world beater by any means, but for fantasy purposes, he is producing. 
even with some inefficiency. He's had a touchdown in, in one of his two starts so far, and now he has the Jets in Week 11. Are you with me on Balage? Yeah, I mean, going into last week, I didn't start Josh Kelly because I just had a feeling it was a trap after what I saw from Balage the week before where Justin Jackson went out early and Balage led the way. And Balage had 18 carries and five receptions last week. That is absurd volume. And an offense that's moving with Justin Herbert, he gets the Jets this week. I think Balage is a starter. I'm locking him in. I, I think you start Balage with, I hate to say this, but some level of confidence this week against the New York Jets. It doesn't feel good. And I just want to remind everybody that Kalen Balage in 2019 on 74 carries averaged 1.8 yards per carry. And here <laughs> we are coming full circle on Kalen Balage. But lock him in for week 11. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so on the other end of the spectrum, I, I don't want to say stardom even in the best of matchups. Believe it or not, Joshua Kelly hasn't no. scored more than 13 fantasy points at all this season. Cut Josh he Kelly. is a sit. Trash. He is a cut. cut him. You don't need him. Yeah, you don't get need him off him. your roster. Last one here, Boston Scott. He's an interesting PPR name. Again, if you're in a desperate situation, which I'm asking for a friend here because I am. I got J.K. Dobbins, Boston Scott, and D.J. Dallas as my running backs with David Johnson going on IR for a concussion seemingly out of nowhere. I got to decide, am I starting Boston Scott, who's coming off a 14 fantasy point outing, had three carries no. for 63 yards no. and a touchdown. He had that breakaway run, looked fantastic, but one reception for 11 yards. Like, are you going to get cute and plug him right back in no. there thinking, hey, he could, you know, put up double digit fantasy points? No, I mean, he had the breakaway run that I think he actually stepped out on, but it was too close to overturn. Miles Sanders is back. He is the lead there in Boston. It's not a timeshare or anything. Like, Boston Scott's strictly a backup, a handcuff. Keep him on your bench. Do not start Boston Scott this week. Do not chase those points. <sighs> Brutal. That means I'm starting Dobbins. It's a 27% snap share for Boston Scott. You just can't rely on you know anything under 30% to give you anything. Really, anything under 50% isn't going to give you much in fantasy unless they're uber-efficient. just happened that Boston Scott did have one of those uber-efficient games. Let's talk about our wide receiver start sits now. We'll stick with the Eagles and talk Travis Fulgham, my guy, Fulgie. Your guy. Still played uh, 90% of snaps in Week 10, but gave you a brutal one reception for eight yards on five targets. Was his second game of his career that he didn't have a touchdown out of six total starts. Just, he burned you. Travis Fulgham burned you with Dallas Goddard back, with Miles Sanders back. Is this a situation now where Fulgham is going to be relegated to a, you know the third or fourth option on his team? Or is, is this just kind of a throwaway game against the Giants and you plug him right back in against the Cleveland Browns in Week 11? Yeah, to me, I think you throw him back in. But I, I do think you have to temper your expectations because before he got to must-start territory wide receiver two every week, I think now he's more of a flex guy. And he could come out against Cleveland and, and prove – everyone that he's back into that wide receiver two must start territory and I hope he does but this game is definitely a little bit concerning and I think you still can flex him just because of the snaps like you said he wasn't getting passed up on the field by Alshon Jeffrey and Jalen Rager and Greg Ward he wasn't sitting on the bench for those guys but I mean you'll just look at the targets and it's like Jalen Rager had seven Ward had six Goddard had six Richard Rogers had five Sanders had five 
Fulgham's there with five as well. They ran the ball decent with Miles Sanders. Alshon Jeffrey only got one target in this game, but Doug Peterson said they're going to get him more and more snaps each and every week. So just with more options coming into the fold, Zach Ertz is practicing. I don't expect him to be out there this week, but he'll be back eventually. You have to adjust your expectations for Travis Fulgham. They have more than one option. They're not going to just be able to funnel that volume his way anymore. So I do think he's still startable. This game against New York, I don't know if James Bradbury was shadow covering Fulgham in this game. I'm going to need to look into that, but that could have played a part into why he was relatively shut down. Bradbury's been fantastic this year for New York. So in a matchup against Cleveland, you start Fulgham, you stick with the process. If he burns you again is where I think you really step back and say, okay, maybe I need to look at other options in my flex spot. After this Cleveland game, he has Seattle too. So I think Fulgham is a guy you do have to plug in. Yep. He's going to operate as the alpha X wide receiver. They'll move him into the slot at times. They move him all around the formation, and he led all the receivers in the amount of snaps that he played. Just didn't didn't turn it out, you know, from a from a production standpoint. If he catches, you know, even just four of the the balls thrown his way, I think he's going to do a lot with it at 215. Let's talk about DJ Chark, a guy that I feel like has been in this start sit category <laughs> every single week was drafted much higher than you know you would think for a guy who's sitting at the wide receiver 32 on the year right now. I know he's dealt with injury and he's had his bye week already, but a 9.6 fantasy point outing, four catches for 56 yards against Green Bay. Again, tough weather game, but against Pittsburgh in week 11, is he a guy that you're going to want to start over any of the names that we've, we've mentioned? Yeah, I'll start Chark. I'll start him over Fulgham um, this week. And I think against Pittsburgh, that matchup scares a lot of people. And I, honestly, that defense is going to chew up Jake Luton and spit him out. But Luton's looking <laughs> Chark's way. I mean, 12 targets two weeks ago against Houston. Obviously, had the huge game with the 73-yard touchdown. Last week, only five targets, but brought in four of them for 56 yards against the Packers. And the Steelers, if there's one way, they're definitely not getting beat on the ground. I expect them to score points on Jacksonville as well. So even if Luton is getting absolutely crushed back there in the pocket, I do still think that they're going to need to throw the ball. So I expect Chark to get his fair share of targets in this game. Even if his catch rate is a little bit lower against a good defense, I think from a volume perspective, we could see Chark have a solid game. So I'm not banking on the the Jaguars scoring a ton of points in this one. I'm not banking on a touchdown for Chark, but if he can give me five, six catches and 60, 70 yards, um, I think I'm going to be happy with it in my flex spot. And if he happens to get maybe the one touchdown that Jacksonville scores in this game, he gives you that upside as well. He has burned you a few times this year. Some of that could have been Minshew going through some turmoil. But with Jake Luton in the lineup, I think that does actually help his floor, believe it or not, the gross as that is to say. Ugh. And Pittsburgh has actually been a decent matchup for wide receivers because their offense has been great and those teams are going to have to air it out. Two more here. First one is Jamison Crowder coming off the bye week in week 10. A lot of people probably forgot about him. When these guys go on by, they they become quiet. But Crowder from a points per game basis has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he did come off, you know, a rough outing against New England, only 10.6 fantasy points with just two receptions for 26 yards. Had the touchdown that Great saved tutty. you if you started him. <clears throat> Against the Chargers, though, are you willing to take the the shot on Crowder over a guy like Fulgham or Chark or even you know, other names in this tier like Brandon Cooks? <laughs> Jamison Crowder, 
I'm looking something up on the fly. He's averaging more points per game this year than Julio Jones, <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous. More than AJ Brown, more than oh. Thielen, more than Robinson. He's tied with Keenan Allen. It's is insane. it because Flacco is elite? Continue. That is the Dude, question. No, stop with all that. <laughs> but man, I think PPR, um, high floor play. I know he only got the two receptions in his last game, but I mean, against the Chargers, where I expect Herbert to put up points. You can start Crowder. I know Perriman's back. Mims is coming on a little bit. Um, but as that slot guy, I mean, Darnold loves locking in on him. I know he's out. Flacco's going to be in. I expect Flacco to lock in on him. I think you can start Crowder and hope for that 8 to 10 point baseline. Um, and we've seen him break out this year. As, as weird as it is to say, we've seen Jameson Crowder um, have his fair share of big games. I mean, week one, seven for 115 and a touchdown. Week four, seven for 104. Week five, eight for 116 and a touchdown. And even week six, only seven for 48, but he had 13 targets. So this is a guy who's typically getting a lot of targets. So again, at that flex spot, I think you can do a lot worse. I'd probably take Chark. Of the guys we've talked about so far, I'd probably go Chark, Crowder, Fulgham. Interesting. Interesting. I'd probably put Fulgham slightly ahead of Crowder. The last one here, a guy who's been really coming on since an injury and then a bye week, got eased in against Detroit in week eight. It's Michael Pittman, 59% of snaps in that game. One reception for six yards. You probably weren't starting him though. And then since then, he's really been worked up to be the wide receiver one for the Colts. And it's, you know, something that's so gross about the Colts from fantasy, from a fantasy perspective is that they have a timeshare at pretty much every position. They have like three tight ends that are all relevant on different weeks. The running back is a three-headed committee. And with their wide receivers, like T.Y. Hilton's had his games, but has been looking relatively washed. Zach Pascal is like a boom bust guy. Michael Pittman though, the last two games, 87 and 81% of snaps, seven and eight targets in both games. And is coming off a 19.2 PPR point outing against the Tennessee Titans here in week 11 against Green Bay, a game that I'm really looking forward to watching. Are you willing to plug Michael Pittman in at your flex spot? Oh man, as a Colts fan, I, I think I'm... <laughs> willing it's been great to see Pittman emerge I mean he's the number one on this team right now in terms of snaps in terms of targets he is the number one he's seeing more snaps and targets than even T.Y. Hilton um so I think you can plug him in if you're going to plug in a Colts pass catcher it's Michael Pittman I am still trying to I think wait I I'm trying to wait one more week and it hurts me to say because the Packers could be a good matchup especially if Jair Alexander misses this game um, he's questionable right now because I expect the Colts to need to throw the ball against Green Bay. Even though the Colts have a good defense, I expect Aaron Rodgers to put up points and get ahead um, or at least make it competitive to where Rivers does have to throw the ball a decent amount. And when Rivers had 39 attempts and 300 yards on that Thursday night game against the Titans, we saw Pittman's breakout seven for one on one through the air, got him a carry on the ground for 21 yards. He looked good, too. So I'm willing to start Pittman in a deeper league in a flex spot if I have some bye weeks. But if I can, because he's a little bit unproven, I'd like to wait and see for one more game. Um, another solid back-to-back -back game of good production before I'm putting him in my lineup. I think I'm with you, but I am willing to plug him in. I do think he has a ton of upside here. Yeah. If you're looking at, if you're asking the question, is Michael Pittman a guy that you need to start? You probably need to start him because your roster is hurting <laughs> in which case you grab Pittman off waivers if, if you can afford to sit him by all means do it and just keep him stashed maybe you're going to love what you get here from week 13 on when he has some matchups against Houston twice Las Vegas as yeah. well but let's get into 
our favorite segment every single week, our start sits of week 11. We'll go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, guys that, you know, maybe they're they're good players that are in, you know, wide receiver two or, or RB2 type territory. Maybe they're a streamer that we're going to tell you, look, these guys are going to smash this week, whether that's a 30-point outing, whether that's just exceeding expectations, maybe a guy just coming off a tough matchup. I'll let you start with your quarterback. Who's your quarterback start of the week here in week 11? My quarterback's Big Ben Roethlisberger coming off a huge performance last week against Cincinnati. Don't overthink it. Just leave him in there. He gets Jacksonville this week who can't stop anyone. They're 30th against the quarterback position this year. You know, James Conner hasn't been effective for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Even against Cincinnati, we saw them like trying to run it to run the clock out when they were up by so much and they were running the ball so poorly they kept passing. Um, So with, you know, the full fleet of weapons healthy, Juju, Deontay, Claypool, Eric Ebron, you got to start Big Ben. I mean, that's one of the best groups of pass catchers in the NFL. There's so much talent. You know, they don't really have a one. They have like a 1A, 1B, and 1C, and three guys who do things very differently, plus a good athletic tight end. You can't really beat that. James Conner can actually catch the ball as well. So we could see him get involved out of the backfield. Big Ben just just showed out against Cincinnati. Don't get cute and try to mix in somebody else or anything like that. Just leave him in there and, and ride the good matchups here for the Steelers. Um, and I'd expect the the Steelers to get to that 10-0 start after this week against Jacksonville. It's crazy, right? Going to be 10-0. And it's believe insane. it or not, all three Steelers wide receivers finished as wide receiver ones against Cincinnati last wow. week. That does not happen unless your quarterback is putting up prolific production for fantasy football. But my quarterback start of the week is Cam Newton against the Houston Texans. Since the horrible outing against San Francisco where he only had two fantasy points, we saw the wheels come off. We saw Jarrett Stidham get in the game. Cam Newton's been pretty solid. 18, 24, and 16 fantasy points the last three weeks. That 16-point outing coming in that game in in a torrential downpour against Baltimore. And he was math through the air. Only 118 yards on 17 pass attempts, but he had a touchdown through the air, a touchdown on the ground, and a 21-yard rushing performance again in the pouring rain against a tough Ravens defense now he has the Houston Texans that give up 19 fantasy points a week to the QB position a team that's bottom three against the run I think Newton's gonna have a field day coming off a win getting some new life in this offense with Jacoby Myers and Damian Harris bringing whatever juice they have in them to the team I love Cam Newton here in week 11. I love it. Now, moving on to the running back spot, I've got DeAndre Swift against Carolina. This one seems pretty chalk, but the reason I bring this up is because we talked about Swift earlier. This is the breakout we've seen, but earlier in the year, we saw a couple good games from Swift, and then he'd come back to like a four-point performance, and he felt super inconsistent. This is different to me because the Lions came out, and they said Swift is our starter, Swift is our guy, and they backed it up on the field. 73% of snaps, 16 carries, Five targets last week. He was an absolute beast with those opportunities. Great matchup as well in week 11 against Carolina. They're 29th against the running back position. They're the ones that just gave up their Rojo explosion in week 10. So expect another big one from Swift in this game. The Lions have finally taken the training wheels off of DeAndre Swift, and he is going to continue to absolutely eat moving forward. Smash play. It's just a total smash play. Great DFS play, too. I, I haven't looked at his price. 
I'm hoping it didn't inflate too much, but if he's in that mid-tier range, I think he's a great DFS player. I'll have to check on that one. I think I think he's like a 6K guy. I'm definitely going to be Ooh. hitting the button on Swift this week. Well, my running back start of the week is actually a, a combo. I'm cheating here a little bit. It's J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson for the Washington football team. They're both up against the Cincinnati Bengals, and the matchup is nice. The Bengals give up a ton of yards through the air. They're bottom five in the league in in uh, passing defense fortunately for alex smith and the washington football team's offense they have two good pass catching running backs and gibson's been very good all season long right now he's sitting as the rb14 he's averaging 11 carries a game hasn't been hyper efficient but has had some boom games still not seeing a 50 percent snap share which really limits his fantasy value and his upside but you have to start him because he's operating as the clear goal line back. He's been getting consistent passing game volume. And we've already seen Alex Smith, since he's coming as the starter, show that he is going to target the running back position, which has made J.D. McKissick even more valuable. 14 and 15 targets the last two weeks, which has led to 17-point fantasy outings in both games. I don't think he's a long-term solution because he's going to regress, but you, I think you got to ride the hot hand. Expect McKissick to be a PPR fantasy player's dream in week 11. I'm firing both Washington running backs up in this game with some shootout potential. Like every game against the Bengals seems to be these days, Gibson is a strong RB2 start and McKissick is a low-end RB2 in week 11. But Alex, who's your wide receiver start of the week? Wide receiver... We are kind of playing along with your quarterback start of the week here. I'm going Jacoby Myers against the Houston Texans. Look, in three weeks with no Julian Edelman, Jacoby Myers is seeing 99% of snaps, 10 targets for eight receptions and 95 yards per game. That's absolutely insane volume and usage. Yes, I know the touchdown upside is low with Cam Newton, who's only thrown, what, three touchdowns all season. <laughs> but this dude is getting so much volume. He is just an extremely high floor play. And the matchup is great against the Houston Texans. They're 23rd against wide receivers. I expect Houston to put up some points as well with Deshaun Watson and the receivers that they have on their side of the ball. And as weird as it is to say, this New England Patriots offense is moving through Jacoby Myers right now. We see them getting him involved in all sorts of different ways through the touchdown last week. So expect another big game from Jacoby Myers. And I think the breakout is real and you can trust him in your lineups this week against the Texans. Isn't that the epitome of the Patriots offense this year? It's like no disrespect to, to Jacoby Myers. I think he's balling out. But like if your offense has to go through Jacoby Myers, that's a tough Yikes. scene there. But my wide receiver start of the week is Jerry Judy up against what some might consider a tough matchup in the Miami Dolphins. But whether it's garbage time or not, Drew Locke or Brett Ripien, whatever it is, we can't ignore what Jerry Judy is doing right now on the field. He's essentially become the number one receiver in the Broncos offense. They started moving him out of the slot, more on the outside. He's been playing 82% of snaps or more, which he hadn't done at all prior to the last two weeks. He's getting deep downfield targets, creating separation with his route running prowess. The reason why we loved him coming out of Alabama. And his air yards over the last three games since moving to the outside has just been unreal 162 193 and 142 air yards the last three weeks if he just comes down with those receptions you're looking at close to 150 yards in those games and that's while averaging 10.6 targets per game in that span and if Brett Ripien does come in for Drew Locke who's dealing with uh, I believe it's a rib injury 
It might be a wrist, something like that. Whatever it is, if it is Ripien, the last time we saw him on the field, it was a 14-point fantasy outing for Jerry Judy. And Ripien still threw two touchdowns and 242 yards in that game. So I don't think Drew Locke has been great this year. I don't really care about who the quarterback is. I think Jerry Judy has shown that he has the talent and the ability to get it done. Again, I know the Dolphins have some playmakers, but they're 19th against the wide receiver position, giving up the seventh most yards in the league. Jerry Judy can no longer be ignored. Plug him in if you need to in your flex spot in week 11. I like it. A little bit of a hotter take there, but people need that confidence in Jerry Judy moving into week 11. Um, but my tight end start of the week, Steph, Austin Hooper against the Philadelphia Eagles. We've talked about nice. how the tight end is an absolute wasteland. I picked up Hooper after he came off of the the injury, and he disappointed me last week. He only had one catch for 11 yards in that crazy wind game. Um, but I expect him to bounce back next week. I mean, last week, you got to throw it out against Houston. Baker only threw the ball 20 times. There was no vol- It was like a 10-7 to 7 game with the Houston Texans and Cleveland Browns, who are both some of the highest, you know, shootout potential teams in the NFL. And the, and the game script, quite frankly, for the Browns favored the run um, in that game. They jumped out early. Houston wasn't scoring any points. You couldn't kick field goals. So they were just feeding Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So <laughs> everything went wrong. Both had 100 Hooper yards. Last week. I, exactly. So I do expect him to bounce back against the Eagles. If you picked him up and he disappointed, don't drop him. Don't put him on your bench. Give him one more chance this week. The Eagles are 27th against the tight end position, allowing 15 points per game. And prior to his injury, Hooper had five receptions in three straight games. That is all you're really looking for at the tight end spot at, at this point in the year. So I expect him to get close to that five reception number this week. And I'm starting him with confidence against the Eagles. Nice, nice. My tight end start of the week is Hayden Hurst against the New Orleans Saints. He's coming off the bye week. These guys on bye, they don't get as much hype because they're just kind of irrelevant for the week prior. But Hayden Hurst is coming off double-digit fantasy point outings in four straight games with no touchdowns. New Orleans gives up the six most points on average to the tight end position with 14.9. I think that's what Hurst is going to give you in this game. Right now, he's at the tight end seven season long. He's on a team that passes the ball a ton, and he's top 10 in every metric you want to see for fantasy. Receptions, receiving yards, air yards, average as a target, deep targets, Keep plugging in if you have him, especially if Calvin Ridley misses this divisional matchup. But guys, I think that's it for this episode. A ton of fun topics in this one. Such a hype slate here in week 11. We got some headliner matchups. We got some head-to-heads that are going to be pretty intense. But if you guys like what we're doing here on the show, please hit that subscribe button. That is huge for me. And Alex, a like is always appreciated as well to get those algorithms pumping. Always hit us up on Twitter down in the comments at Double Move Sports with those starts to questions, trade advice, topics you want us to hit on, whatever it is, we'll be here for you and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.